Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, histories, and other mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. Okay, Jen, let's do this thing. Ooh, Jen, is that you? Allie. Yeah. Oh my goodness, look at here. We were not murdered. I know. So far, so good. <laughs> uh, oh, by yeah, the fine. way, when we were texting earlier and you said chit-chatting, it's now, it made me laugh out loud and now I just want to use it all the time. It's like you said shit-talking and chit-chatting at the same time, which I'm shit-chatting from now on. I'm using that. I'm going to make that a term <laughs> that we use here in the States. We're going to shit-chat people, okay? <laughs> there you go. Yes. So what's up with you? I woke up this morning with like to a crime scene. No Uh joke. Uh And this is how you know it is fall because I got a bloody nose. Of course, I I have white sheets. So Mm -hmm. I wake up and I feel stuff like crusty stuff and wet stuff on my face. I look down and it's just like I was moving in my sleep. Uh It just was everywhere. Oh, God. Oh, my God. It was. Someone tried to murder me. Oh my God, it must have been awful. I actually one time woke up, I was sleeping next to my cousin Joshua, who was just a little kid at the time, and he got a nosebleed, and I woke up with his blood all over me. Yeah. Oh, oh. Dude. Whoo. <laughs> Not good. Not good. So, happy morning to me. Happy morning. So, what I did was, for some reason, when your brother came to bed... I woke up and it was like one o'clock in the morning and I could not fall back asleep. And at two 30 in the morning, I admit that I'm not going to sleep. So I woke up and went downstairs and played on the computer for a minute. And then when I felt sleepy, I laid down and I fell back asleep. And at six o'clock in the morning, the dog comes by and it's like, I really have to pee. And so back up again. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I was like, you know, shit, it happens. I'm crazy over here working a lot and then um my son's in college now so oh my god right okay like i said the other day i was talking to my cousin jay i was like i'm an empty nester basically mike and i are empty nesters now no nobody's in the nest it's just us (laughs) i'm loving it it is awesome i'm not gonna lie i mean i love my daughter but i am also glad that she's old enough that she takes care of herself (laughs) right you know if I could get, if I could send my dog to boarding school, I would. Right? Yeah. So. I was just like, yeah, all about it. All about it. And Halloween's coming. Yay! And um, I actually have a super long one to tell you. Mine are normally two pages, and this is over three. Whoa. Whoa! And it does have, like, a really terrible murder at one point. Her. Sorry, I, um, it's kind of our thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hoping that we still have trick-or-treating. I mean, people can throw candy at kids' faces. Well, stuff. did you see what Melanie put on there? I'm like, genius people, genius. They um, Somebody has a railing, and they just, like, basically, um, what do you call it? Oh, like, zip-tied uh, this tube to it, and you put the candy in the top of the tube, and it slides down to the kid at the bottom six feet down. <laughs> And I was that's like, great. That's awesome. All they have to do is like put their bag underneath the tube. <laughs> and here, and I'm like, just throw it at them. 
like, they'll pick it up. <laughs> yeah. Just toss it out. Let the it faster sprinkle ones will do better. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are you ready for me to tell you a story? Yes, I am. Okay. And I just want to preface this. It's one of the ones that it takes place in the early 1900s. Takes starts in like 1920 and it really it takes place in the late 1940s. So it, it's one of those ones like one article says one thing, another article says another, another article says one thing. So you'll hear me give like numbers like between this and that <laughs> because I don't know the freaking answer at all. Right. all. Okay, are you ready? Okie dokie. And I'll ask you why you don't know the answer and stuff. Just yeah. Kidding. Well, yeah, and I'll just be like, dude, because it's <laughs> old. And newspapers back in the day apparently couldn't get their shit together. <laughs> so a lot of this came from like Murderpedia, a Wikipedia. Uh, what else were the other ones? Oh, more Murderpedia. Oh, yeah, more Murderpedia. So I looked at it like that. <laughs> it's under like female and male and this and that. So, yeah. Give it to me. Ready? Here we go. So Martha Beck and Raymond Fernandez were serial killers. And this was back before they can you know, like get their shit together to call you one certain name. But they were identified as the, the Lonely Heart Killers is one of the more popular ones. Oh, oh, hey, Chris, are you there? Yep, I got it figured out. Oh, no problem. See, we've had our own issues. Okay, so Jen, I would like to introduce you to Chris, one of our listeners that I've been messaging on um, Facebook. Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, how are you? Great, how are you? Good. I was just starting to tell Jen about a serial killer couple, so I'm so glad you're here. Which, what do you want to tell us about? Um, the halfway house in Millington, Michigan. Okay, sweet. All right, so I'll go first because I kind of sort of started already talking <laughs> because I was too impatient, and then you can go. How about that, Chris? That sounds good. Okay, sweet. So let me tell you that this takes place in the early 1900s. And they're called the Lonely Heart Killers or the Serial Killer Couple, or they're called the Honeymoon Killers. They have a few names. So it starts with Martha. She was born May 6th, and she was either born in 1919 or 1920. It's hard to tell. But it was in Melton, Florida. And her name was Martha Jewel Seabrook. And her parents had five children total, four girls and a boy. And Martha suffered from a glandular problem that caused her to be overweight. And Martha's mom was overbearing. Well, just not just overbearing, just like a terrible human being. And she marked, she mocked Martha for her weight. And then when Martha was a preteen, she tells her mom that she's being molested by her brother. And her mom responds by beating Martha, saying that Martha is responsible for what happened. Because the glandular issue that caused Martha to be heavy caused her to develop early. And her mom was like using it against her. So obviously she's a demon in disguise. Yeah, she's a demon. <laughs> yeah that's some evil shit to do to your kid right so, yeah so martha studies to be a nurse and she graduates in 1942 and she's not really able to find a job right away because they are rejecting her because they consider her too heavy to be a good employee which i was like obviously the 1940s because you can't do that that's terrible so she initially right. becomes an undertaker assistant and she prepares female bodies for burial but then she does get a job because it's World War II at this point is ramping up. She, she moves to California and she gets a job um, at an army hospital, a nursing job. So in California, she spends her night. She's bar hopping. She's bringing some dudes back with her. And during one of her nightly encounters, she becomes pregnant. And the soldier that was the father wasn't interested in a relationship with Martha. 
and he did not want the responsibility of a child with her. And the soldier, uh, was that? Oh, sorry, there's this noise. So the soldier unsuccessfully attempts suicide by jumping into a bay in an attempt to drown himself. And having been like repeatedly rejected in life, this really hurts her because the father of her child would rather drown than marry her. So that was like devastating. So pregnant, she decides to move back to Florida. But she doesn't want the shame of being an unwed mother. So she buys herself a wedding ring and she wears it all the time as if she was married. And she tells her family and the other people that her husband was a soldier who was away during the Pacific campaign, which is part of the Second World War. And Martha then sends herself, this poor thing, sends herself a telegram saying that he died in battle to explain his absence. Dang. Yeah, that's pretty, like, you are really working your story. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's yeah. covered all her angles. Yeah. This Florida, this local Florida paper by her publishes an article about his death. You know, like, soldier dies before coming home, believing it's real. Ugh. So Martha <sighs> has a daughter. I know, I'm like, Martha, you went too far. <laughs> she had a daughter. She continues to have relationships with men, and she becomes pregnant again. And this time it's by a local bus driver named Alfred Beck. And they were married for six months before divorcing. And this time she has a boy. So in 1947, she's about 27, 28 years old. She plays a Lonely Heart ads in the personal ad section of a local newspaper. And she's looking for love. And she meets Raymond Fernandez. And Raymond was born December 17th, 1914 in Hawaii to Spanish parents. And he grew up in Connecticut, moved to Spain in 1932 at age 18. And while there, he lives on his uncle's farm, and he marries this woman named Encarnacion Robles. And they go on to have two to four kids. Now, it's there on and off again, so I don't know when the two to four kids happen. I know that they have at least two children, possibly four. And he's, in, yeah, he's employed by the Merchant Marines during World War II for Spain. He's recruited by the British government to become a spy. And he, like, gets some notoriety, so he's kind of good at it. And then in 1945, after the war ends, Raymond decides to go back to America to find employment before sending for his wife and kids. So Raymond boards a freighter, and he's coming up the ladder to get to the top deck when a steel hatch cover falls, and it hits him on the head. And it cracks his skull. It leaves, like, a noticeable dent. Like, when you look at him, you can see his skull is dented, and it causes him brain damage to the frontal lobe of his brain it's really bad okay. months later he recovers from his head injury and his personality was totally fucking changed he becomes irritable quick-tempered he rambles when he speaks i mean he's just like a completely different person and he boards another ship at this point and he comes into the united states at mobile alabama and before leaving the ship he steals a mass quantity of clothing and other items that are like clearly marked as belonging to the ship. So when Raymond tries to enter the United States, he's caught by customs with stolen items because it's obviously not his. <laughs> like, yeah, he took a bad hit to the head, you know? So Raymond was sentenced to a year in prison and he spends his time there with his Haitian sailmate. And when Raymond's released, he begins to practicing vodun, which might also be known as um, voodoo. You might know that. So he believes that he has the magical ability to influence women. Specifically, Raymond believes he now has the ability to entice women to him. 
and he dates women and he starts to, he, the, he creates this pattern where he dates them. He creates a relationship with them. He earns their trust and then he steals their money and jewelry and then he leaves town. So this is what happens after jail. And these women are often like too ashamed to report the theft to police because they don't want to be seen as foolish or gullible. So in 1947, besides starting this relationship with Martha, Raymond's also regularly contacted by a woman named Jane Lucilla Thompson through the personal ads. In October 1947, Jane agrees to meet Raymond in person and they buy two cruise ship tickets to Spain. And when the two reach Spain, they tour the country and they end up with meeting Raymond's wife, Raymond's wife, right? So now he's taking his girlfriend to meet his wife in Carnacion. So, which is weird. And at first, the yeah. three of them yeah, seem to be getting along. And then one night, the two of them, the two women argue. And that night at the hotel, because they're all at a hotel together, Jane and Raymond also argue. And later that night, he's seen running out of the room. And the next morning, Jane's found dead in her bed. Jane wasn't given an autopsy and she was buried. And later, Jane would be exhumed when there were suspicions that she had been poisoned, but nothing comes out of the inquiry, right? Mm -hmm. So Raymond leaves his wife and Spain almost immediately after Jane's death. And by the time he arrived in New York, he had a will that he had forged from Jane. And in it, he claims that she left him everything including her apartment that she shared with her early elderly mother and then kicks out the elderly mother so he can stay there. And then he turns his attention to Martha, right? So he's riding back and forth with Martha and Raymond asks her for a lock of her hair. And his intention was to use it for a ritual that would allow him to have influence over Martha. And Raymond meets her in Florida and they stay together. And Martha believes that Raymond's going to marry her. So Raymond goes back to New York and he tells Martha, hey, I'll come back. But then he sent a letter saying that she misunderstood his intentions. She's not his fiance. And she gets so upset that she attempts suicide. And Raymond comes, says, you know, how about this? Why don't you come to New York and visit me? I don't want you to be that upset. So Martha arrives in New York with her two kids. And this just like puts a cramp in Raymond's lifestyle of wooing and stealing from women. You can't have kids with you. So right. he likes the way that Martha looks up to him and she, she like completely takes care of his needs, but he doesn't want the children around. So on January 25th, 1948, she leaves her two kids at the Salvation Army and she never contacts them again. Raymond and Martha, I know, just heartless. Raymond and Martha, they go start to do his lonely heart ad scam. So Raymond had escalated from robbing his romantic partners to marrying the women. So he talked them out of their like belongings, insists they sign their pensions over to him, and he's going really, really well financially. So okay. Janet Faye, she was 66 years old. She lived in New York, and she had a modest amount of money. And when Raymond began courting her, he introduced Martha as his sister. And not long after they first met in person, Raymond convinces Janet to move to an apartment in Albany that Martha had rented, and they were in the apartment for like less than two weeks. Raymond and Janet went to bed together one night and it bothered Martha to see them together. So she, she gets mad. She sees them together romantically. And Martha tells different stories about exactly what happened that night. But she did admit several times to being jealous of Janet because Raymond was willing to marry her and he was actively sleeping with her. And the two women fought verbally and Raymond told Martha, Martha that she needed to quiet Janet down. 
So Martha says she blacks out and she only comes to when Raymond's shaking her by the shoulder. And she had killed Janet by beating her in the head with a ball peen hammer and then garroted her with a scar. So Martha's going to testify that they had decided to garrot Janet to try to minimize the bleeding from her head wound. So she hit her in the head with the hammer, realized there was a lot of blood, so tried to garrot her so she wouldn't bleed as much. So Martha claims that she clean, helped clean up the crime scene with Raymond's help while she was in like a trance. And the couple had wrapped Janet's body up in towels and sheets and they stuffed her in the closet. And the next day they bought a trunk and they put Janet's body inside. They drive the trunk to Raymond's sister's house and then talk her into putting it in the basement. They leave the, I know, just like these people are off their fucking rockers. They then leave the trunk there for just over a week before burying the trunk in the basement of the house that they're now renting. And then Raymond pours cement over the basement floor after they do this. So Raymond and Martha then cash checks from Janet and they typed letters to her family to say that she was moving to Florida with Raymond. Now her family becomes suspicious. They call the police because Janet didn't own a typewriter or know how to type. So they're like, how the fuck did she type us a letter? Right? Yeah. Martha and Raymond had already moved to Grand Rapids, Michigan. So because Delphine Downing, who was 41, had been corresponding with Raymond through the Lonely Heart ads. And she lived in Grand Rapids with her two-year-old daughter, Raynell. And Raymond presented himself as a successful businessman who loved children and traveled with his sister. So while in Michigan, Delphine and Raymond's relationship advances to a physical one. And one day, Delphine walked in on Raymond before he could put on his toupee. And she said that, you know, like, she could see that he was bald with a large scar across his head. And the two began to argue. And Delphine correctly accuses him of fraud and that she said she was suspicious. And, you know, Raymond was able to get De Delphine to take sleeping pills to calm down. And Delphine's daughter, toddler, the two-year-old Raynell, she begins crying. So Martha picked up the little girl and choked her and shook her until she was unconscious, which is horrible. Oh. Yeah, this makes Raymond mad because he's like, now Delphine's going to get the police involved because there's visible bruises on Raynell's neck. So to resolve the situation, Raymond shot Delphine in the head as she lay there sleeping. And Raymond then buries Delphine in the basement of her house and then covers her with cement while Martha cleaned up the bedroom. And they cashed, they cashed checks and they grabbed whatever valuables they could find at Delphine. Now, Raynell, the toddler, had regained consciousness but had been crying for two days. And Raymond told Martha to get rid of the child. So the two of them filled up a metal tub with water, and Martha held Raynell under until she drowned. And then they buried her next to her mother, which I was like, Jesus. I know, hideous human beings. February 28th, 1949, Raymond and Martha opened the door to police officers, and they were brought to the Kent County District Attorney. And Raymond immediately begins to sing about their crimes, telling the attorneys that he wasn't an average killer. And after they promised that he would stay in Michigan because we have no death penalty here, and saying that you will not be extradited to New York because it does have a death penalty, they both decide to sign this 73-page confession of their crimes. So news of the Lonely Heart killings dominates the news. It is the big thing. Again, people just brutalized Martha for her weight. I mean, they just dehumanized her over her appearance. It was horrible. And they often like exaggerated how big she was. And the New York governor, Thomas Dewey, was exchanging calls with the Kent County prosecutor. And they decided not to honor the deal 
with Raymond and Martha, and they decided to send them to New York to face murder charges anyway. So Michigan was like, we said that we weren't going to extradite you, and we lied. I'm sorry. You got to go now. So during the trial, it's exposed that another woman, Myrtle Young, had died after meeting Raymond, bringing the total number of murders to five with Jane, Janet, Delphine, Raynell, and Myrtle. And there was a large media presence at the trial, and people wanted to hear like every lurid detail of Raymond's sexcapades with his victims and the gruesome details of their murders. And both were sentenced to die on August 19, 1949. And while waiting, they had a continued with each other that swung between love and hate. And both were executed on the same day after their appeals were exhausted on March 8th, 1951. The end. Wow. Was that not fucked up, guys? Wow. <laughs> I <Okay>. know. <laughs> and it involved Michigan. I was like, aha! <laughs> Got it. Such a beautiful yes. place. <laughs> so, Chris, tell me about the halfway house murders. I purposely didn't look it up because I wanted you to surprise me. The halfway house were murders. Actually, my dad told me about it because it's from up there where we're okay. from originally. And two brothers from uh, Pontiac killed a woman and stole a man's car and kept him hostage. Where they drove to Prescott County and a Prescott County cemetery and shot, made him dig himself a grave. Shot him, buried him, and then realized that they forgot to steal his money, so they had to. Dig no, that's typical Michigan. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like and, shit, Bob. I forgot to, to take the money off him. Dig him back up. <laughs> and then they uh, went to a gas station where they beat the owners and stole their money, and. I was like, wow. isn't that like spree? Isn't that what when they say someone's on a spree? Yeah, it's a they they were on a kill, killing spree at 19 years old. That's really yeah. young. Wow, that is really young. They then they beat the kid the the owner's 10-year-old Holy almost fuck. to death. They murder murdered the owner, ended up murdering the owner. I'm reading it. I had it all on my uh Computer, but oh my bashed. gosh, we've had such things happen to us too. <laughs> right, and you and you, you like desperately want the other person to start talking to fill in the thing, like talk while I desperately press buttons. Well, I just, <laughs> and this is like so they they take this guy hostage, they bury this one guy, unbury him to get his money, and then re-bury him, and then. Rip, <laughs> Immediately go to a gas station, and and so this is like one thing after another. Yeah, and it is believed that they are their ghost is haunting them, but that is false. They actually got fourteen life sentences Ooh, between them. Fourteen life sentences. Yeah, Michigan needs to bring back. Yeah, the we haven't sentences. had it since the eighteen hundreds. <laughs> That's why people yeah, like I've, to come here. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they need to come down south where they'll actually get it. Yeah. So, so what you're telling me is I need to move somewhere with the death penalty because all killers come to Michigan. Well, maybe. Yeah, uh, These did. Michigan. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. Let's say they know much. we won't kill you. You just forever have to live in our jail. <laughs> like, well, that's actually pretty bad punishment. You have to stay in Michigan in one spot forever. <laughs> You're not allowed to move anywhere. Put, put them in the UP where yeah, right? it's really cold. And you get no heater. So try not to die. <laughs> Which part of Michigan are you all Southeast. from? Yep. Southeast. Yeah. Like, Southeast. I know. I know you're from yeah, Ohio. Jen's a that, from Ohio. That is where I'm from. The great state of Ohio. Put that oh out God, there for Allie. Lord save me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. Well, thank you for thank you for recording with us. If you don't mind, uh, we'll, we'd like to have you on again in, a, in like an episode or two, if you don't mind. I can do it as many times Sweet. as you want. All right. So we, uh, we will actually have you on again later. I'll, I'll send you something through Messenger. And if anybody else would like to come on here and be a guest podcaster, I would love to do that. Thank you, Chris. We've had a good time. All right. I'll talk Thank to you. you later, literally. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Contact us at anchor or Michigan other mayhem at gmail.com or on Facebook to join the conversation, listen to the podcast, or correct us when necessary, rate and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast provider. Bye-bye now.